0: What would you do if you were going to prepare for a battle? You know you were gonna enter a battle, what would you do? You'd prepare. I know I'd find this one guy on my team. His name's Bob from another church. He was a major in in the Ranger Battalion at Fort Lewis in Tacoma area. I'd find him, I'd be on his team. Because he was a bad dude when i was younger i grew up in southern california and i just become a christian in a few years i went to the dmv and back in the early 80s you know who hung out at the dmv the hari krishna how many people know what a hari krishna is oh all the old people raise your hands Hare Christians are dressed up in garb, and it's a Hindu cultic kind of religion, and they went around with shaved heads, and they gave you flowers, and they were hoping for a donation. So I'm trying to get it back, and I was opposite of them. I had lots of hair, red, afro, and I'm like, I'm trying to hide, because I didn't want to talk to this dude, so I'm, but my car, my Volkswagen Bug, is on the other side of that dude. So I'm walking along, I'm like, trying not to make eye contact. And he sees a sucker coming. So he says, here, sir. And I decided, if he says something to me, I'm just going to end it right here. I'm going to say, I'm a Christian. Period. Boom. Back to my car. So he says, sir, you want a flower? I go, no, thank you. I'm a Christian. And he says, we are too. (laughs) I looked at him. That doesn't fit in any little boxes that I have. You know, there's Christians, and then there are other people who are not Christians, and I'd put the Hare Krishna in that box. But he just got in the wrong box. I'm all messed up. And seriously, it mangled me. I'm like, I don't remember saying anything, and if you know me, not saying anything, is really hard to come by. So I go on, and I go in my car, and I'm mangled. What would you do to prepare for a battle that, that is coming? Today, I love this passage. I'm so excited about it. I was sitting over there just, come on, let's go, let's go. I want to talk to him about this. It's so exciting. Dude is going to teach us all, not just special people, not just the people you think are good in the Bible and all that, all of us to be ready for the battle, to contend for our faith. As we start, I'd like to just open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, your words is what we want. Holy Spirit, I know you're leading right now. Make us, help us choose to be receptive in ear and in mind, ready and heart receiving. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So Jude 3, because there's only one chapter, starts by talking about what Jude wants to talk about. He says, beloved, although I was very eager to you, write to you about our common salvation, to lift you up, to talk about how, how Christ has redeemed us, and to encourage you, I found it necessary to write to you, appealing to you, to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. He says, I am here writing to you so that you learn to contend for the faith. That isn't like 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, where it says, fight the good fight. But this word is the o- only time it appears is right here because he adds a, uh, a prefix onto it that emphasizes the strength of the contention. It's beyond fighting, not less than fighting. He's here to teach us about contending, fighting for the faith. When my daughter was a teenager, Elise, she loved animals and she still does. She had a parakeet. You know what a parakeet is? A little bird. And they're very, very fragile. She had a parakeet, but she also had a cat named Marie. Sounds nice. Not a nice cat. Marie would love to eat, what was the parakeet's name? Fluffy ears. Some, I'm not going to live very long, something like that. So we, we had to keep, this is not a nice crowd. I just, <laughs> so we had to keep Elise's door closed. The bird had a cage. I mean, it's safe. But parakeets are pretty fragile from my, what I learned. Well, one day, Elise comes home from school, probably screamed, came down, Fluffy's dead, whatever the name's bird name. And I, we go in there, try parakeet first aid, and <laughs> nope, gone. goner, dead. And I look it over, and she goes, What happened, Dad? I refrain from laughing. Um, and I said, Well, um, I don't know, honey, and looked her over, and nothing wrong with the bird. They're not claw marks, you'd expect something. No, nothing, nothing, honey. He's dead. What we figured is somebody left the door open and big old fat hungry Marie got in there and tried to get after the parakeet. And what I've heard about parakeets is well happened: If you scare them too much, they die. And that's what happened. Kink. Dead. You know, when I encountered that Hare Krishna, I was frozen. I was the opposite of being able to contend for my faith. I was a little parakeet Christian little opposition and i don't know where to go well jude doesn't want us to be in that place he wants every one of us to be in a place that we can contend for our faith So we're going to look through this book we're almost preaching through the whole book it's only one chapter but we're taking all the credit we can get We're going to look at a few things. First of all, the place of contention. Secondly, the preparation for the contention, the people we contend for, the power and the purpose. Sounds like a lot, but we're going to go fast, so I hope you got your seatbelts on. So the place, look at verse 4. It says this, For certain people have crept in unnoticed. First of all, let's talk about the creepy. That creeping is like they're sneaking in. And they've come in where? Into the church. The battleground for these heretics, these people that we'll we'll learn about are disruptive to the church, uh, is in the church. They creep in. And they sneak in to disrupt what's going on. Well, what are these people all about? What do they look like? Let's read on verse 4. It says, They crept in who long ago were destined for this condemnation. Unless they change their ways, they are destined to be judged. They're not believers. It says they're ungodly people who pervert the grace of our Lord Jesus, our Lord Christ, our God, into sensuality. They take grace. Like Paul talked about it in the Corinthians, that we've just sinned all the more so that grace abounds? No, he says. He takes the opposite of what grace response should be. They were probably Gnostic-type heretics, and the Gnostics denied the value of the flesh. They hated it, and they went one of two ways. They went towards asceticism, where they denied the body, and they became like monks, or they went into licentiousness. I love saying that word. It's not a recommendation. But maybe you don't know what licentiousness is. They translate it as sensuality. But whatever you're thinking of that's a sin, it's probably what it is. It's taking the grace and perverting it and saying, living however you want to live is okay. The very opposite of what the gospel is. Last part of verse 4, it says, and they deny our only master, the Lord Jesus Christ. They're irreverent to who Jesus is, to his word and to his teaching. They just ignore it. They go opposite. These people are difficult, ungodly people. Jump down to verse 18. It describes them further. It says, They said to you in the last time, there will be scoffers, followers of their own passions. They mock everything. They follow their own worldly desires. Verse 19, it's those who cause division, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. So they are people who don't know the Lord, who are acting in ways that are disruptive and tearing the church down. Verse 17, it says that they will come in the last time. They will be entering in the church. And we shouldn't be surprised because verse 4 says that they will be, let's see, where is that? It says that they are prophesied to come by the apostles. We shouldn't be surprised. Jesus himself in Matthew seven, fifteen, said that there will be wolves in sheep's clothing. How do these horrible people, these horrible heretics, these apostates, those who have fallen away or never knew the Lord, but are acting like it, how do they get and infiltrate the church? Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul is describing people like that. And he describes them as false prophets. Verse 13. Get there in the right. I had one of these thingies. They're supposed to be in it. <laughs> Pastor Logan gave me a preaching Bible. Got a lot of these in it. I now know there's a disadvantage to have a lot of these in it. Because I can't find my passage. I found it. 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 11, verses 13 and 14, says this. For such men are false prophets. They're deceitful. They use trickery. They say flattering words. They use language that throws people off. And look at this. Disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. They look like people of authority. Verse 14, it says, And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So they look like godly people. They look like one of us. They look like true believing people, but if you follow them around, if you really listen closely to what they are saying, they are ungodly people, actually turning over the truth and the gospel to mean exactly the opposite. So the battle place with these heretics is within the church, and it says that they will be prophesied to come, promised by our apostles to come in these last days. I don't know what you believe we are in right now, but I believe we are in the last time. And scoffers will come, and they will look like the best of Christians. But you know a tree... By its fruit. So let's go on to the preparation. Jude helps us with this. and Starting in verse 20, there are four things that we can do. And there's not meant for all the, the elites or people you think are the, the apologists among us. It's for all of us. Verse 20 it starts. But you, instead of these, that we've had a long description of these, these heretics, these apostates, but you beloved the ones who love jesus build your building yourself up in the most holy faith the first thing is we need to build ourselves up in the faith when people are learning about counterfeit money what do they do they study the real thing they don't look at all the different ways that the counterfeits can happen they look at the real bills and they can see what it's false because they know the real deal. That's what we are supposed to do. Build ourselves up by studying the real thing. Paul talked about this with his disciple in in 2 Timothy. He talked about it that from the very beginning of Timothy's life, he was building his faith up and his family was building his faith up with him and for him. It says in verse 14, 2 Timothy chapter 3, but as for you, continuing what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. From his childhood, he was growing in the knowledge of God, in the word of God. Then he goes on to tell us the truth that is so poignant. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. What's the result? That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You see, as we build ourselves up, We need to look at the genuine article through this book. We need to learn this book. It will be the way of salvation for us. It will be the way to combat and to strengthen, to build up our faith. You know, I was mangled by that Hare Krishna. I was really thrown off for a few days. And I thought, how can this be? I didn't have anything to argue. I know that might seem silly to you. I had read my Bible a lot, but I would only been a Christian a couple of years. So I went back to the source, and I opened up like I did every morning, and I read my scripture. And the scripture reading had Hebrews 9.27 in it. And Hebrews 9.27, it says, uh, For man is appointed to die once, and after that face judgment. I said, Aha! I don't know anything about what Hare Christians are about. I know they're Hindu religion and they believe in reincarnation. The scriptures taught me. And I think it was the grace of the Lord because I was all mangled. The Lord says, we better put this verse in the Bible study today because he's mangled. But the scriptures taught me the truth. This guy was no more a Christian because he believes in something that the scriptures don't. We do die and we face judgment. There is no return at the wheel. First way that we begin to prepare for contention is that we build ourselves up. The second, verse 20 goes on to say, and praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of people get kind of frustrated or mangled or confused by that. The simple truth is praying in the Holy Spirit is cooperating with the Spirit in prayer. It isn't a lot of spiritual stuff over there that some denominations talk about. It is simply cooperating with the Holy Spirit in prayer. The second way we prepare ourselves for contending is cooperating with the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? Most of us are tempted. I am too. When I go to the Lord, what do I do? I do the list, right? Oh, Lord, I'm concerned about my kid. I'm concerned about this business deal. Will you help bless my my family? Whatever it might be. But that's kind of me asking what I want God to do. What if we started praying and spending a little time listening and say, Lord, instead of like I want my kid to be like this, What do you want my kid to be like? How do I pray for the will of the Lord for my kid? I'm worried about this business situation. Lord, what's your will in this situation? Can you lead me? How do I trust you better? And it's cooperation. And I do believe that though praying all the time is a good idea, the more you pray, the more you practice praying in the spirit, do that. When you encounter a situation at work when you're driving to work when you're looking for a spot at costco and you need a miracle <laughs> right but also spend some time pausing and maybe you get up five minutes early you don't have to spend hours, but you just ask the lord can you lead me in this time Maybe you wake up, like I challenged my small group, you wake up and you just say, Lord, what would you like me to do today? What would you like to say to me before I even get out of bed? And then when you have to get out of bed because the alarm goes off again and you fell asleep, you say, "Sorry, right, Lord. Ask the Lord to lead you, and he will. A couple of verses, Ephesians 6, 18, tells us to be alert, Romans Eight twenty-six. you'll look these up later it says the holy spirit helps us in prayer in fact intercedes and groans in ways that we can't he's there to help you give him some space to do that verse 21 goes on to say the third thing we can build ourselves up doing keep yourself in the love of god that keep is to guard it One commentator said, Well, you gotta guard it, you gotta remember it, you gotta look in the mirror and say, I'm loved by God. Yes. The more you understand how phenomenally God loves you, the more you will be secure in that relationship with God. And it will overflow. Elder Sai reminds us a lot that Pastor Logan preached the message a long time ago to be a river, not a reservoir. How appropriate, right? you deeply understand? And you kinda feel like you're getting away with something because God loves you and you know you don't really deserve it? Pretty soon it flows over to other people. The ones you like, the ones you don't, the ones that let their dog poop on your lawn, the people that are challenging to you, people you love being around, it starts overflowing. That's how you prepare for contending. And last part of verse 21, it tells us, waiting for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Are you anticipating? Waiting isn't, in this verse, it's not sitting. Oh, I'm going to sit down here and and I'm going to to just wait. I'm waiting for my waiter to give me some water. Well, I'll just wait, so passive. That's not the waiting. This is anticipating, excited, can't wait till it happens. Maybe it's, we should look in the scriptures and start thinking about what. What heaven will be like i know we know it's somewhat of a mystery but god gave his revelation so that we can understand it and there's a lot about how wonderful heaven is going to be are you anticipating can't wait it's anxiously waiting those are the four ways that we do we build ourselves up in the holy faith we pray in the spirit we love and overflow in the love of God. And we wait for eternal life with that expectancy. So the next thing we want to talk about are the people. Might be a little surprising, the people that we're contending with or for. Verse 22 starts out and tells us there are three different kinds of people. It says this, and have mercy, On those who doubt. Mercy is kind of helping people have compassion for those who doubt. In that mercy, there is a sense of challenge, of encouragement, try to convince. So we have mercy on people who are probably wrecked by these other people who are these disruptors, these scoffers, and they're doubting, they're wavering in their faith and it seems to me if you are living the way that god wants us to prepare for contending building up our faith praying in the spirit overflowing with the love of god and waiting with anticipation eternal life that god intends to use your life and my life as the example someone's discouraged you may not know all about the bible but you know probably God has helped you when you were discouraged somebody's doubting the word of God but you know that as you've read it and learned it proves to be a reliable guide in this world and to the Lord encourage lift up give mercy to those who are doubting it goes on it says verse 23 save others by snatching them out of the fire You grab them out of the fire like a brand. Those are people you share the gospel with who don't know Jesus. It might even be some of these apostate people who act like they do, but they are now ready to turn it over. And again, what do you know about what you did to become this great Christian? Zero. The gospel is that Jesus did. The gospel is that he died on a cross for you and for me. And that as faith in Jesus Christ, we appropriate, we put into our lives what he did. That's what the gospel is. Somebody who doesn't know Jesus needs to hear that. Not in a condemning kind of way because they won't look like you think they should look or act, but they need that mercy, the mercy of loving them to the kingdom. Going on, verse 23 talks about the third kind of person. It says, to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by flesh. That's a little harder to understand. But is this mercy with a little bit of message to it. These are the people that have fallen into the lifestyle, probably believers who have fallen into a lifestyle that's disrespectful to their Lord and Savior. You need to teach them a little bit about hating things in their lives that are stained by flesh. That garment is almost as if their body is stained by their lifestyle. You need to hate it. It would be like if there's poison on a garment or it's got some sickly disease that you can catch from. What would you do with that? You'd throw it in the fire, get rid of it. You gotta hate it. So we have an ability to grant mercy and to help people get back on track. Tell you about a student I ministered to a long time ago. Call him Bob. Sorry, Bob. Bob always gets to be the standard name. Bob, sorry about that, Bob Green. It's not you. Um, this kid. Graduated from high school. And I said to him, hey, Bob, how are you going to stay strong in the Lord when you go down to UCSB? <laughs> I've heard that's a party school. I don't know. I didn't go. but and, it, and I was worried a little bit about this kid. And he goes, you know, you got a smile on his face. And he said... Uh, You know, I just want to have some fun. Oh, like surfing? Well, no. Well, yes, but I just want to have some fun. Oh, okay, Bob, that sounds a lot like you're going to be partying and sleeping around. Well, I wouldn't put it that way. Well, Jesus might. And you know, he says, Doug, come on, man, lighten up. You know, I've been in church since I was a baby. I've known Jesus my whole life. Sunday school, went to BBS, went to to camps, youth group. I know Jesus my... I say, oh, Bob, I I would actually kind of wonder about whether you know Jesus or not. Because you know a tree by its fruit. And the fact is, is that a, a Christian may fall into sin, but brother, you're just planning on running full bore into it. That's not what a Christ follower would do. So we challenge people, not in judgment, but people that God has given us in relationship. I had known that kid the whole time I was there. And I I asked him the, the question because I kinda knew where he was going. That's mercy mixed with fear. You notice it doesn't say mercy mixed with judgment. If people are in your lives You need to grant them mercy. All three of these people need to have your mercy. The doubters, those who need to hear the gospel, who don't know Jesus, and those whose lifestyles are out of touch with what the Bible wants them to do. The next thing we want to talk about, and Jude talks about, is power. Where do we get the power? Verse 24 says this, Now to him, Jesus, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before his presence of his glory with great joy. You know, these words, and I've been talking like this, to build yourself from the faith and to, to... pray in the holy spirit and to keep yourself in the love of god and to anticipate the eternal life those are active words and i have been teaching you that they are active words we should be actively involved in that when it says to share mercy with these people who are doubting share the gospel with those who are lost share uh, the the challenge to those who are wayward those are all active verbs but don't get me wrong Don't misunderstand that you are the one that does it. That you are the ones or I am the one that has the power. It is to him. In other words, praise to him. Why? He's the one that will keep us from stumbling. We are not going to fall to these false teachers. We are going to persevere throughout our whole life by the power of god and he is going to present us blameless any of you want to raise your hand and say let's say who's blameless in the room the only people that would raise their hands are liars and then not blameless it's him you know i uh, watched A video, actually, Lisa showed it to me. It was great. A Bible project, folks. Talking a little bit about Ephesians chapter 2. Thought it was appropriate for today. And he made an analogy and said power like this is a little bit like a flashlight. In Ephesians 2, it says that we are created as God's work, as his poema his beautiful poem but he's created us he's done it Ephesians talks about his redemptive work to renew us to be new creations but then he says that we have works to do but it is like the flashlight the flashlight cannot shine light by itself it has no ability to do that it needs a power source other than itself so if it gets dark this flashlight does us no good unless you push lick the button And we can shine the light of Jesus if we allow him. I don't know why I have to turn to you. It's dark. Why? We would rely on ourselves when we have no power. But we have the power to turn on the light. And we can shine the light of Jesus not by our power, but by his Go ahead and turn the lights on. So that is the the power. But what about the purpose? We'll wrap up with this verse in 25 as the book wraps up. It says, To the only God, our Savior, through through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be what? Glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time and now and forevermore. The purpose is to the glory of God. The purpose is to the glory of God. When we reach and share the mercy of Christ to people who are far off in some way and they come, they are to the glory of God. They worship God and he Loves them. He loves to love people. And people who are loved by God worship God. When you prepare yourselves and continue to grow, to build yourself up in the Word, praying in the Spirit, overflowing with the love of God, and anticipating the eternal life, that is to the glory of God. Amen. Amen. One other thing. I didn't want to leave this out at the end of of verse 24 there's an illustration like I really believe like in Jesus he gets the glory somebody said this: God gets the glory but we get the blessing look at the blessing at the end of verse 24 he says he's able to present us in his glory in the presence of his glory with great joy We get the joy. We get the blessing. We are empowered. And when we grow in our Lord and are preparing and continually contending, not against these heretics, that's a waste of time. God has got them. But contending for those people who need mercy. We live a life of joy. It isn't. Drudgery. It's adventure and joyous. And we are strengthened. And every ounce of energy we put towards strengthening ourselves in our faith to contend and contend for those who need mercy, we find a greater measure of joy. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we pause now, By an act of faith I receive joy you get the glory you are great among us there is no one like you and Lord you have taught us through this little book of Jude how to contend and it all points back to you Jesus you are the savior and you are the one who empowers Grant us willing hearts and obedience in our body, mind, and spirit that you might be glorified through all we do unto your name for the glory of God. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.